Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.40 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is Valentine's Day 2024, and this is episode 856 of Bitcoin. And before we begin anything, the Circle P is again open for business. And today we're staying with Maple Trade, a.k.a. Beisnerds, at B-E-I-S-N-E-R-D-S on Twitter and on Noster. <coughs> if you want handmade maple syrup, you can indulge in the pure, rich taste of nature with this artisanal handmade maple syrup crafted from the very finest of all maple trees in the world. Each bottle is just a sweet testament to tradition and quality. It's perfect for pancakes, perfect for waffles, and it's also perfect for that special recipe needing a touch of sweet complexities. Elevate your meals with the drizzle of our amber delights. Order now and taste the difference that true craftsmanship and only actual craftsmanship can make. Get your maple syrup and Sister Sarah soaps from Beisnerds. That's at B-E-I-S-N-E-R-D-S. And because he is part of the Circle P, he will, yeah, he'll cut me in on a little bit of sales if you guys tell him where you heard about his maple syrup. And I have had it. I've had it several times. I've used the soaps. You're not going to be disappointed. I promise you. Promise, I promise, I promise. You're not going to be disappointed. The Grinder zapped me 121 Satoshis. Thank you very much. Bully Steed with 50 says, First time with live zapping around. Puzzles with 21. Thank you all for joining me live in zap.stream. Now it's time for El Nuzo Bitcoin Magazine. Landon Manning starting us out. New United Kingdom rules cause consternation for Bitcoiners. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. Let's see just how much consternation there is. Um, new regulations from the British Financial Conduct Authority have taken effect over UK businesses that deal with Bitcoin and other crypto assets, leading to immediate public disapproval. These new regulations, quietly imposed in mid-February, came as a surprise to many of the users impacted. The FCA has already impacted several payment processors like PayPal and Luno, which have ceased all ability for users to purchase Bitcoin. The main thrust of these new regulations, however, has been in developing what the FCA calls positive frictions, piggybacking on previous decisions in 2023 that combat the rise of finfluencers, such as banning refer-a-friend bonuses and other incentives from non-crypto investment sites. The FCA has aimed its new regulations at countering social and emotional pressures to invest. Oh, Lord have mercy. In the main, this initiative amounted to one 
most controversial rule. Quizzes and other competency tests on all major exchanges preventing users from accessing their very own funds. That's right. The background for new regulations of this scale are, unsurprisingly, quite complicated. For starters, the FCA is a financial regulator that exists at the behest of the British government, but is not directly controlled by it. Although the Treasury does make appointments to this board, its daily functions are nevertheless independent of district oversight. For example, the FCA's predecessor agency, the Financial Services Authority, was founded in part to curtail the practice of industry self-regulation in the finance sector, which is legally recognized, a legally recognized type of trade association. In fact, in fact, Crypto UK, the self-regulating trade organization in Britain's digital asset sphere, directly spoke against these new regulations. All of this to say, it's little wonder that the FCA feels empowered to act this unilaterally, especially when it might contradict some of Parliament's long-term economic goals. British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has made an ambitious policy out of trying to promote growth in the crypto sphere. Sunak wishes to make the country a crypto hub, attracting international capital and facilitating industry development through friendly regulation. It's little wonder that Sunak has identified Bitcoin as an area of major growth. A substantial percentage of Britain's existing economy is powered by similar long-standing international relationships in the world of banking and finance, and expectations for the economy as it stands have been lagging. So, If the same sources of income have been failing to meet expectations, why not look towards a rapidly growing industry that could doubtlessly benefit from these existing ties? Sunak claimed that the first item on his pro-Bitcoin agenda has been to pass clear legislation around a stablecoin, but new FCA regulations have also been very high up on his priorities list. There's just one question then. Why hasn't an agenda intended to place exchanges under the same legal framework that covers investment banking and insurance, led to such an overreach. Well, for starters, the FCA has been marked for a notorious hostility to Bitcoin in the last several months. Although the United States has made worldwide headlines with its approval of a Bitcoin spot ETF, the futures ETF, with more indirect ties to Bitcoin's actual valuation, has been legal well before that. The FCA, however established a complete shutdown of Bitcoin-related derivatives in 2021 and has not given any indication whatsoever that they wish to change this stance. This backwards attitude puts the UK not only behind the US, but also most of its other largest trading partners. Both prominent members of the English-speaking world like Canada and Australia, as well as the European Union, have all begun embracing this multi-billion dollar derivatives market. Even Hong Kong, with long-standing economic ties to Britain, has shown far greater receptiveness on this front. The FCA's conservative attitude towards such a massive and growing industry has hardly gone unnoticed, needless to say. Lisa Cameron, MP and chair of the Crypto and Digital Assets All-Party Parliamentary Group, has made public statements alongside very similar lines as the reports published by the APPG, that's the all-party parliamentary group, claiming that the world of Bitcoin is of vital economic importance. 
Although, quote, the APPG has been clear in its recent inquiry report that we must ensure that the UK has robust standards in terms of regulation and consumer protection, the APPG is aware that the new financial promotions regime has caused complications for some crypto and digital firms and of reports that a number of operators have paused crypto purchases while they adapt to this new regime, end quote. She went on to add that, quote, while consumer protection must remain a top priority, government and regulators must also take care to ensure that we do not inadvertently deter responsible and regulated operators from choosing to invest in the United Kingdom, end quote. So if nothing else, the concern about these regulations is shared by actual legislators and not only the community. Cameron's criticism seems particularly noteworthy in that she has only been part of Sunak's party since October of 2023, having previously won three elections under an SNP ticket. Additionally, Coinbase has also made headlines with its January hiring of George Osborne, former chancellor of the Exchequer, in an advisory role. Considering that Coinbase is one of the exchanges most directly impacted by these new rules, a man who was in charge of the Treasury for six years is bound to have useful advice. In other words, there are possible sources for opposition from several different sectors, as both government figures and industry leaders have voiced their objections, alongside the consumers as a whole. As for a timeline on the FCA changing their policies, however, it's anyone's guess. Meanwhile, there have been several other prominent interactions between the British legal system and the world of Bitcoin. Craig Wright, the so-called fake Toshi, is currently involved in a court case over his continued claims that he is the true inventor of Bitcoin. If the court rules against him, it may prove the end for a recurring episode in Bitcoin's subculture. Similarly, although the United States is known for making the most prominent mass-scale seizures of Bitcoin, British law enforcement did manage to seize more than 1.4 billion pounds in Bitcoin in late January. It's likely that the FCA's rules will eventually be loosened one way or another as the British government has put such a priority on making these new regulations friendly to the industry. If pushback is loud and varied enough, it'll be clear that a new course is necessary. Bitcoin's economic star has been going up and up over the past few years, and it's just way too powerful for unelected regulators to put up a high degree of stubbornness. If we can see it in the U.S.'s fight for the Bitcoin ETF, we can see it in the pushback to the FCA. Nobody is strong enough to challenge Bitcoin's crown. All right. Well, so the FCA making these really stupid rules and it's causing problems in the U.K. Well, we knew that that was coming. However, as the story kind of like, you know, spells out, there's a lot of pushback against this from several different sectors in the UK itself, whether it's their own government, whether it's industry or just retail yelling and screaming that they don't want to take a quiz to be able to get the money that they already held in whatever these exchanges are. So the question becomes why? It's not like the FCA was, well, okay, maybe they're a bunch of idiots, but they're not that much of a bunch of idiots. So why? Chances, I, th I think that what we're seeing in a lot of places around the world is that because they're just so ill-equipped to understand what this stuff actually is, because they, they haven't spent the last seven, 
11, 15 years studying what Bitcoin actually is, much less the myriad of scam coins that came along with it that still are being produced as as we speak. I just scam after scam after scam. So I think they just automatically overreach so that they can have some breathing room to figure out what the hell's going on. Because this is what happens when you point and laugh at something instead of trying to figure out what it is you're laughing at. And this is the backlash. Because they have spent so much time laughing instead of actually studying what this stuff is, they have no choice but to put up the highest wall that they possibly can. And people are going to start dismantling that wall and the FCA and all these other regulatory bodies will start just relenting a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more as they become more comfortable, as retail fights, as government entities fight, as industry leaders fight. This is just the way this shit works. And it doesn't, you can see this happening in history every single time that a new technology hit the market, right? Just people were scared and like, but God forbid we should allow everybody to do this because we spent so long pointing and laughing at this thing that we didn't study it. So we don't know what it does. So therefore we're scared of it. So therefore we overreact. So patience, when, when it all comes down to one single word, it's the word patience. In other words, a low time preference. Those, those, that phrase and that word are interchangeable. Low time preference is patience, and patience is having a low time preference. So I wouldn't really worry about all that. All this, I wouldn't worry about what we just read at all, because over time, their stance is just going to erode and erode and erode. All right, on to higher education. Future bit partners with Rutgers University to educate students on Bitcoin. See, now we're getting now we're getting into the education part. We're we're people are stopping their pointing and they're laughing and they're starting to go shit. We probably need to wrap our minds around this one and Nick Hoffman's going to help us out here with Bitcoin Magazine Futurebit, a leading provider of consumer focused Bitcoin products, has unveiled its higher ed pilot programs in collaboration with universities across the United States, according to a press release. This initiative marks one of the first instances of bringing Bitcoin hardware into academic settings with Rutgers University Business School being among the initial partners. Quote, the RBS Crypto Lab is a resource for the blockchain hub members, enabling Rutgers students to build, run, and maintain mining equipment, said Professor Mark Gunther, leading the initiative at Rutgers. Quote, In addition, it facilitates the learning process by merging theory with practice. Students learn how blockchains work and how decentralized networks perform their important functions. The RBS Crypto Lab's latest acquisition is the Apollo Bitcoin node and mining machines designed, manufactured, and sold by FutureBit. By providing plug-and-play Bitcoin systems to educational institutions nationwide, FutureBit seeks to revolutionize the learning experience for the next generation. Students will not only learn the intricacies of Bitcoin as a monetary network, but also comprehend its decentralized nature and its implications for society on a technological level, according to the release. Quote, 
The only way we shed the current roadblocks in our society is to first make sure that the next generation will be educated on decentralized systems and their superiority to any other form of governance, stated FutureBits founder John Stephanopoulos. Quote, students all over the country will now have the ability to see Bitcoin in action, in real time, in front of them. And that drives curiosity of what Bitcoin is about more than anything else. We can't wait for the world that they will all create, end quote. Through partnerships like this with Rutgers University, FutureBit seeks to pave the way for a future where Bitcoin education plays a pivotal role in shaping the next generation. See, this has always been a concern of mine. We know what's going on. And while none of us have the hubris enough to say that we understand Bitcoin completely, we have spent so much time that we... We know as much about it as anybody else does, at least the people that have been studying it, right? The people in this space, the people that are hell-bent, the people that are Bitcoin maximalists, fully orange-pilled, we know enough about it that we can actually start saying things about it. And one of the questions that I put to um, not, oh, I'm trying to think who it was. It was at one of the beef, it was at the beef initiatives, first beef initiative uh, micro summit down in uh, Texas and Parker Lewis, it was Parker Lewis. And I asked him directly while he was talking on stage, he was, well, he asked for questions and I said, okay, well, I have a question. And my question was, how do we get the next generation, my children to understand how important this is? Not just how it works, because that's, if you can't understand how important something is, unless you understand how it works. We need, my question is, how do I get my kids to understand how important this is? And the reason is this, we know how it works, but if all the knowledge dies with us, then who's going to figure out why it's important to run a Bitcoin full node and how to run a Bitcoin full node? What it's doing as it's sitting there churning, how, what is a lightning node network and how to set one up? What is a payment channel? This is There's a lot of information that goes into this. The, I mean, we, we study it because we love it. But if you don't know anything about it at all, and somehow or another you're not interested in it, like many of us were not interested in math when we first went to school, it's going to be a hard bill of sale to pass from one person to another. So it's going to be situations like this. What Rutgers University getting into, you know, having professors there that are saying, we've got to impart this information. It's too important of a technology to not do it. So thankfully, there are some forward-looking schools that are doing this. We'll have to wait and see if they actually, you know, if it actually comes to, to be anything. But I, I'm very hopeful that there's going to be a lot of interest in people uh, signing up for classes because... If you don't have people sign up for classes, then quote unquote, in academic talk, the class doesn't make, and it's just kind of a bad situation all the way around. I think these classes are all going to make, and I think it's going to be a good moneymaker for universities going forward, and God knows they're going to need something because universities right now are having, having some issues. But we, that is a, that's a discussion for another time. Right now, we got to talk about BlackRock. And their Bitcoin ETF passing 100,000 
BTC under management as we speak. Cointelegraph, Helen Parts. BlackRock Spot Bitcoin Exchange Traded Fund, the iShares Trust, otherwise known as iBit, the iShares Bitcoin Trust, has surpassed 100,000 BTC under management. According to official data by BlackRock, they amassed 105,280 BTC in holdings on February the 13th. The iShares Bitcoin Trust became the first spot Bitcoin ETF in the United States to reach 100,000 BTC in managed assets on the 22nd day of trading among the other nine spot Bitcoin ETFs, including Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. The news marks a significant achievement in BlackRock's aggressive BTC buying since the firm launched its spot Bitcoin ETF on January the 11th. BlackRock has multiplied the iShares Bitcoin Trust holdings by more than 3,700% since debuting iBit in January as its assets under management have grown from just, check this shit out, 2,600 BTC on January the 11th. That's what they started with. 22 days later, 100,000 BTC on February the 13th. The iShares Bitcoin ETF is one of the nine spot Bitcoin ETFs that have been actively growing its holdings since launch, including Fidelity Wise Origin Bitcoin Fund, which has amassed 83,925 BTC. The Grayscale Bitcoin Trust has emerged as the only spot Bitcoin ETF that has been actively dumping BTC following the historic spot Bitcoin ETF launch in the United States. After debuting trading with 600 at 19,000 BTC in managed assets, GBTC has now reduced its holdings by a full quarter to 463,000 BTC. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. Holy smokes. Um, iBits BTC holdings milestone came amid spot Bitcoin ETFs posting yet another record in terms of daily net inflows since launch. According to data from Farside Investors, combined daily inflows from 10 spot Bitcoin ETFs totaled $631.3 million with $493 million flowing to the iShares Bitcoin ETF alone. According to some crypto observers online, BlackRock might have been struggling to match the demand for the massive inflows into the iShares Bitcoin ETF recently. Quote, OTC sellers to BlackRock ran out of coins. Yes, they did. BlackRock literally had to buy BTC from Coinbase. One crypto enthusiast wrote on the social media platform X. Who knows that that's actually true? The news comes amid Bitcoin seeing significant growth the, the, with BTC passing 51,000 for the first time since November of 2021 after initially touching the 50,000 price mark on February the 12th. On the 14th, which is today, Bitcoin reclaimed its $1 trillion asset status, reaching such market capitalization for the second time in history. Actually, it's more like the, I think it's more like the third time technically, but we'll go with it. According to data from CoinGecko, Bitcoin is trading at 51383 at the time of writing, up more than 20% over the past 30 days amid the ongoing rally. The crypto fear and greed index has been hitting levels not seen since Bitcoin reached its all-time high of 69000 in mid-November of 2021. So there you go. Now it's time for us to run the numbers.
CNBC futures and commodities, oil and energy is having a bad day today. West Texas Intermediate is down over a point to $77 a barrel. Brenton North Sea likewise down over a point to 81.83. Natural gas getting pummeled again in the markets. It's down over 4% to $1.62 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline is down 2.91% to $2.32 a gallon. Uh, shiny metal rocks doing okay. Gold is up scant, pretty much holding around $2,007. Uh, silver is up 1.36%. Platinum is up 2 Palladium is up 8.72%. Uh, agriculture seems to be fully mixed. Our biggest winner today is cotton, 3% to the upside. Biggest loser is wheat, 2.76% to the downside. Live cattle is down 0.88%. Lean hogs are up 45 Pork doing well today. Feeder cattle, however, are down 1 and one third. Let's see what is going on with the Dow. Uh, up 0.06. S&P is up 0.4%. NASDAQ is up 06 And the S&P mini is up 09 So eh, they're kind of recovering from uh, yesterday's debacle with the CPI numbers. All right, here we go. $51,670 is the current price of Bitcoin, according to dashboard.clarkmoody.com. We do indeed have a $1.01 trillion market cap. There's 19,627,649.24 BTC in circulation. The average block size is holding at 1.68 megabytes per block. And we are at 586.5 exahashes per second. The average fees per block at 0.43 BTC and block space percentage over the last 30 days being allocated to stupid cats and ordinals has actually increased to 1.8%. So ordinals, again, on the rise. Mempool, what are we looking at today? Uh, I, hold on. I think I know what's going on. I got to take my goggles off. <clears throat> Let's see if I can get this done. Oh, good Lord. You're not going to do it, are you? Hold on. Everybody, hold on. I need to uh I need to take my goggles off here. Take the goggles off. All. There we go. Now let's see if that works. Let me get back here. Okay, that's not working. It doesn't matter. We do have 136,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting on how many how many blocks? Yeah, 219 blocks are waiting to clear. High priority uh, transaction is going to cost you 30 Satoshis per V-byte. That's about $2.17 uh, per average transaction. Low priority is 26. Uh, everything under 7.6 Satoshis per V-byte are being purged for mempools around the world. And the hash rate, according to mempool.space, is 558.2 exahashes per second. So there's that. Now, boostograms. From Crushing Price Index, episode 855 of Bitcoin And, which was yesterday, I got Bitcoin Boas with 921 sats, says, all sats matter at allsatsmatter.com. Pies with 100 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. Pies with another 100 says, love a good Bitcoin And. No matter what time it comes out, fuck the medical system. You're 100% right. Even making appointments have been a disgusting disaster and never got back to normal after COVID. Yeah, no shit. At the bird with 100 sats says another solid show. Thank you, man. Nick underscore dose with nothing says cheers. And I don't know how this is happening, but I am starting to get boostograms that literally say there's no Satoshis. 
It's just a, a, so I don't know what's going on. I don't know if Fountain is broken, but I always, always, always appreciate seeing anybody. Nick underscore dose. Thank you so much for taking the time to tell me. Cheers and cheers yourself. That's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news you can use from no bullshit Bitcoin or no BS Bitcoin.com. We have this one V2 opens, AKA dual funding officially merged into lightning network specifications. Dual funding allows creation of lightning payment channels where both parties can contribute funds. V2 channels established or hold on V2 channels establishment protocol may also be used for negotiated opening of single funded channels, but its motivating purpose is providing support for dual funding quote after almost four plus years, 487 comments from 19 reviewers, the spec proposal for adding V2 AKA dual funding to lightning is officially merged as spec in lightning network announced nifty knee. Quote, doing spec work is a really long process. It requires so much work and input from lots of different stakeholders. It's probably the hardest type of work a programmer can do. And I'm so, so thrilled that we got this over the finish line. Huge thanks to Bastian. I can't pronounce this name, so I'm going to skip it. Rusty Russell, Dustin Detmer, Matt Morehouse, and countless others for their review and input on the spec. So what's next? Splicing and liquidity ads added the developer. All right, so dual funding channels. This is going to be really interesting. We I've heard about this for a long time. Many of us have. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And now it looks like it has indeed been merged into the spec for Lightning Network. As to when we actually see this shit go live and people start using it, probably sooner than you think. And we will all be blamed for being reckless Again, now stacker.news has implemented NWC and LN bits for sending, LND for auto withdraw. So stacker.news is like hacker.news, but it pays you in Satoshis. If you haven't used stacker.news, you, you need to go. You need to go use it. So what's new? Sending with NWC and LN bits. You can attach wallets for sending now via at E-K-Z-Y-I-S. And I guess that's their probably their, their Twitter handle. Or actually, it's probably their, their uh, uh, Stacker News handle. So uh, E-K-Z-Y-I-S. To start, we support attaching Nostra Wallet Connect and LN Bits. Uh, E-K-Z-Y-I-S did a lot of work to make the UX as close to familiar as possible. And I think it's stellar. Now we can auto-withdraw to LND. Quote, in addition to auto-withdrawing to a Lightning address, you can now auto-withdraw to LND. We support connecting to your node over Tor, so you should be able to push out funds to your home node, even if it doesn't have a public IP. If you attach LND in addition to a Lightning address, you can set a default, and if it fails, we attempt your other method. Uh, and oh, and now we have NSFW or not safe for work territory labels. Quote, territories can now be labeled not safe for work and are visible on an opt-in basis unless visited directly 
And that was given by at MZ. Improvements to domain searching. When you search with a uh, URL, uh, example, like URL, like example.com filter, you should see less strict results. Uh, There's a couple of bug fixes here. And then what's next? We have a nearly done Noster cross-posting pull request via Bitcoin Pleb Dev that allows you to cross-post all post types and will likely be merged soon. Now, they used to have that. I guess maybe they pulled it down because uh, I was posting to Stacker.News and it was going over to my Noster account, but that kind of stopped. But I never saw it go out of the settings. So I don't know what's going on. Maybe they just kind of deprecated it a little bit so that it wasn't working so that they could make it a little bit more robust. I'm looking forward to uh, cross-posting because here's what I believe about cross-posting. For all the people that ever told me, you know, while I was on legacy social media that cross-posting was a bad thing, I always called bullshit. Because if there was just like, you know, one or two, you know, like there was Reddit and Twitter, I could see it. But there's not. There's handfuls and handfuls of social media. There's no way to ingest, digest, and output from and to all of that shit. And this is one of the things that I love about Noster. It does not matter what client I'm using. As long as that client can see all the different kinds of notes that are uh, compatible with the Noster protocol, I will see them. Now, which means, yes, there are some clients that don't read some kinds of notes, like kind, I don't know, 856. I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know if there's such a a kind, but that like kind one is a a general note on Noster. Like you write good morning. That's a kind one. Okay. Just, uh, and then there's a different kind that is like longer form. And then there's other kinds. There's all kinds of kinds. But the point is that we are closer to something that I've always wanted than ever before. And that is a single interface where I can look at several different clients and be able to interact with all of them, make choices as to whether or not I want to post to every, like to to basically be able to scatter what I'm saying and essentially auto cross post across all clients of Noster, maybe select just a few, but I definitely want to see different things. Like I want a column for like primal. I want another column for like Coracle, but then I want another column that is like Shopster, you know, where you can go like buy stuff, right? I want to have like, like, like the old tweet deck used to be, right? Just columns. The reason that that was never able to do where you could get like Facebook in one column and Instagram in another column and Twitter in another column and have it all there is because of the, um, the amount of API calls that the developer would have to put in and establish inside a client that looked like what I just described, it was impossible. That's what I was told by several different people. They're like going, yeah, we could do it. But the amount of API calls that you are that you need to do this, it, it's amazing. And now all that shit got shut down. Twitter's not allow, allowing you to look at their fire hose anymore, not unless you're paying like hundreds of thousands of dollars and all the rest of the platforms did the same thing. Noster, is the last line of defense against all that. It's the the last bulwark that we're going to have to where we can have several different styles 
of social media like Instagram, Facebook, uh, long-form blog posts, short-form stuff like Twitter, and have it be able to be compilable into essentially what is, for lack of a better term, a single API call. I'm I'm very excited about all of this. I I just I just cannot wait. Last thing up for today, insect.app is a web-based Noster signer. It is um the keys are encrypted with user-defined passwords. A good key derivation function is used to resist brute force. This is no BS Bitcoin. Quote, I've shown the prototype of insect.app in December and it's essentially an insect bunker inside your browser. It is non-custodial. Your keys are stored locally in the browser and apps can get access to your keys using NIP46. Now we've turned that prototype into a real thing and I invite you to try it. Shout out to Neil Leisman for the designs. Disclaimer, it's beta software. Don't use it with your real keys. What he means is spin up another Nostra account for testing. Don't use your main for this because it's beta only. Quote, now, how do we help Nostra apps adopt NIP46 for remote key access? That's where Nostra login library comes in. If your app uses NIP07 to talk to a browser extension, then with just two added lines of code, you can make it talk over NIP46. Both of these tools support the new OAuth-like flow proposed by Pablo. Below, you can watch a demo of how Nostra login added to my fork of snort worked with insect.app or would work with any other insect bunker added the developer. Quote, what this all means is that people could join Nostra on the web without installing extensions or mobile apps with their keys stored non-custodially in the insect.app and then could log into other Nostra apps without copying their private keys. And then he has a little demonstration, which I'm not going to, I'm not going to describe because you need to go check this shit out. Finally, this app works in Chrome on desktop and Android out of the box. Try it with snort.social on iOS. Web push notifications are still experimental. Eventually it will work on iOS out of the box too as was stated in the project's repository. So there you go. Insect Bunker in a different format called, uh, what, what, hold on, make sure it's insect.app, N-S-E-C dot app, A-P-P, that is insect.app. If you don't want to use something like what I use is uh, GitAlby to handle my, uh, as a browser extension to handle my keys, if for whatever reason you can't, or you don't want to, now you have insect.app that will act as an extension in your browser and manage your private keys. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Finishing the day off with the very embarrassing book of dad jokes. Let's see if these are any better. What do you call a man with a plank on his head? Edward. Mm. What do you call a man with three planks on his head? Edward Woodward. What do you call a man with something brown and sticky on his head? Jedward. I may very well engage in book burning. I know my daughter gave me this, but I I think I've never met a book 
that deserve to be doused with diesel and set on fire more than this one. And I love my daughter, but I've just got to be honest. These are some of the worst non-cringeworthy, non-laugh-worthy dad jokes I've ever heard in my entire life. Uh, the UK thing, again, if you, if, you're, if you forgot what the first news story was, with the FCA putting so much onus on everybody as far as Bitcoin is concerned, I'm getting to the point where I'm seeing this type of activity and this type of hubris as simply an allergic reaction by the state because they don't know what they're doing and they know they don't know what they're doing. I get the feeling that sooner rather than later, we're going to see a lot of these regulatory discriminations start relaxing once these people, I don't know, maybe hire a couple of students that have graduated from Rutgers University that have the background of the class in Bitcoin and and distributed distributed technology that we were talking about in the last news story that we were talking about. In either event, uh, have a good Valentine's Day, and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.